Hello and welcome to Med Talk Podcast, episode four, and we are live from Compromed America in Dusseldorf, Germany. I'm joined by Reese Armstrong and Lou Rahman, and we just want to have a quick chat about some of the things we've seen today. Okay, so uh, well, I think we're all pretty tired, so we should just preface it by saying that if this is maybe the worst episode ever, we apologise, but we have been up. For quite a lot of hours. You've been up all night, haven't you? Didn't you? Uh... What were you doing, dude? <laughs> <laughs> you really don't want to know. <laughs> no, I haven't been doing anything weird. Okay, well, I'd like to know a little bit more about um, some of the things that you've overheard today. Oh, yes, some of the things I've overheard yeah. today. That was a very natural segue. <laughs> okay, that's very much. Much. Yeah, it was great. I thought you might forget. Well, my favourite thing that I heard today was on the escalator as I left the um, train <laughs> and I was stood behind a guy who was obviously, he was an exhibitor, I'm not going to say which company, obviously, no I'm not going to say which company, <laughs> but he had obviously recently joined the healthcare division of this very large organisation and he said to his colleague who was an English speaker, so they were talking in English, he said, I love working in healthcare. I really think healthcare is going to be as big as the Spice Girls. I <laughs> <laughs> think he's right. <laughs> I think he's right. I think he's on to something. Do you think there's money in healthcare? Do you think, uh, I think there's more money in healthcare than there is in the Spice Girls. Well, now yeah. it is. Do you think we could find like the baby spice, the posh spice of healthcare? Who would the scary spice be? <laughs> no, um, Martin Shkreli would be the scary spice. It's not like crazy spice instead. Big crazy spice, yeah. Evil spice. I could be old spice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're the right gender. <laughs> okay, we should also right. say um, apologies for any background noise that you might hear. We're recording this in a massive store press room and there uh, isn't any silent space we can go to, so it's authentic. It is indeed. Right, okay. So, Reese, what was your favourite scene? I got offered a rectal examination. <laughs> did you take it off? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can say that on a podcast. You're going to have to flag this one as uh, explicit. It's the expert in the podcast. Okay. No, I went down to um. <laughs> I think we know, we think we found Lou's level of humour. I went to um, Thorny's Blue and they were demonstrating. I went down to Thorny's booth and they were demonstrating a virtual reality experience. And uh, it basically, it was used for educational purposes for surgery. And you wear the PlayStation Virtual Reality headset, and it puts you directly in the operation room of um, surgery in took, that took place in Brazil, um, which is basically rectal surgery. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where the that, yeah, that's where that, I was more the only option, and that's where the comment of the rectal examination came from. I think they really meant it. I hope not. Didn't look too. The most uh, you know, upsetting thing that ever happened to me at a healthcare show, in fact, it wasn't a healthcare show, it was the IFA show in Berlin, consumer tech, massive consumer tech show. And a company who were making um, electric smart toothbrushes invited me to clean my teeth. However, um, the toothbrush was preloaded with um, imaging software that would 
and display a snapshot of my the inside of my mouth on a massive screen for everybody in the hall to see. And then I was then I was offered a breath analysis as well. And I'd already had about three cups of coffee and I really didn't want to risk it. So I made my excuses and left. So, yeah, I've never had the rectal exam. No. Yeah. Maybe a few years. I feel like I've missed out because I haven't had any uh, office. <laughs> No, we were, you, when we were at MDM East in New York, you were... I tried to surgically yeah, change my face. <laughs> <laughs> she was trying to clean you up, but she... I was trying to find the client. On my face. Oh, that's right. To get, to get rid of my wrinkles, do you remember? That's right, yeah. She said I had a red face. That's nice of her. Yeah. And it was like, she slapped it on and went, oh my God, oh my God, look at your face, it's changing. <laughs> Back to Sony's stuff for it was um it was really impressive. I know there's a lot of virtual reality equipment out there for surgeons and education purposes, but I've never experienced it and someone who's quite squeamish. Yeah, it was a little bit awful. <laughs> it was still a really impressive piece, piece of kit. Yeah. <laughs> No, I definitely recommend it if you get the chance. Um, the digital stuff's really big here, isn't it? You can see it's like yes. more, you know, we've been coming for what, four, three, four years? Yes. It's even bigger. Um, I think the thing that I was interested in this time was the stuff about chat box. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't actually seen any, but I was reading, uh, well, there was one of the speakers at the uh, IT forums has actually developed a chatbot <laughs> and it goes back a bit to the femtech stuff that mm-hmm. we were talking about. So it's the CEO of Smart Health and she's um, got this chatbot that's tracking with its cycles. But the idea is that it, um, it's, at, um, it's for use in environments that people can't talk about it. So I suppose the different cultures. Yeah. And at the moment, it's the difference with it is it's free. And um, you don't need an app. It's based on Facebook Messenger. And it's had over a thousand Facebook shares so far. And you just talk to it. Yeah. I do. No, I was just going to say, because what she's doing is she realises that it's not that big at the moment. Mm -hmm. But she's pushing it so that they are eventually, she thinks, there's sort of smart technology in the Yeah, and applications are quite quite wide as well. I mean, in the past one today, where it was being used in to treat loneliness with elderly people. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I mean, is that a companion? Though? Yeah, just a companion yeah. Yeah, piece of software. Yeah. Or I guess it could be used for mental health as well. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, the, the one that, the, it's called Izzy Period. So it's... Izzy Period? I think that's a different type of application. Um, <laughs> What they're saying is it empowers people, it empowers the patient, and it empowers healthcare and workers. So you can, um, so, you know, it just frees up all that time and uh, clinical time as well. But um, the other thing that she's doing is she's talking about this data files as well. Um, as well as chatbots, they're also, in, in Germany especially, they're talking about um, health files. Do you know what that is? So I don't know what that is. Health cloud. So there's like AI, big data, chatbox, and there's health cloud. And what it is, is a platform where, um, so you can load your health information and then 
clinical trial information preloaded, and they use an algorithm that matches people to their suitability for the trial. And that's, we're talking about quite a lot at the moment. They have been talking about it here. There's a guy, uh, Professor Bottinger, and he was, uh, he talks about this, like the future is digital and how analytics are going to transform healthcare. The big thing about this talk is the health cloud. That sounds quite interesting. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Speed of access for clinical trials eventually come to market. Yeah. Do you uh, what's your favourite thing you've seen? Um, well, actually, you were with me when we saw it. We went to see um, Stratasys this morning. Yeah. So they are exhibiting in Compromed. Uh, for the uninitiated, Compromed is um, co-located with Medica, but it is a separate show. And it's for um, exhibitors who are not marketing to healthcare professionals, but who are marketing to medical device OEMs. So it's all the supply chain stuff. Readers of our magazine will probably be familiar with Stratasys because they're one of the major players in 3D printing. Yeah. But they're exhibiting for the first time, they've never done the show before. And it's really, um, I think, I mean, that in itself is interesting because it's really a sign of um, the, the growing uh, relevance of 3D printing for medical. So I think, that, you know, we're all aware of the fact that 3D printing has huge potential for things like implants. Bespoke uh, orthotics, for example, uh, artificial limbs, that kind of thing. Um, but what's emerging more and more now is the um, trend towards the surgeons doing their own 3D printing on site. The benefits are obvious, it saves them huge amounts of time in terms of ordering things, it's also much cheaper, um, and you can usually get better outcomes because you can get bespoke. Practice rooms as well, can't you, Anna? Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's what we spoke to the guys at Stratasys about this morning, was practice rooms for surgeons. So, that's, that's the sort of angle we quite often come at it, supporting the healthcare side of it, but in terms of manufacturing, do you still see, have you seen any sort of uptake with device manufacturing in 3D printing? No, well, this is the interesting thing, and uh, you and I had a discussion about this a while ago at the UTCT show. Um, whether or not it would impact on implant manufacturers if, if surgeons have the capability to manufacture their own implants, what does that mean for the uh, traditional implant manufacturer and where would their market share come from? Um, so, I mean, that remains to be seen, but it's certainly, uh, certainly interesting. Yeah, it is actually, and it's interesting that the strategy is actually in that part of the show. Yes, yeah. so they were saying, we asked them about that as well, and um, they were saying that they still want to work more with the engineers and the technicians at home, and uh, although they're still having good high-level conversations with healthcare practitioners from medical as well, so um, it was good, good all-round conversation, and they had some interesting application uh, pieces for us in particular, the, um, gentleman I'll show this a uh, 3D print of a kidney which has been taken from a scan and it was a scan of a patient so it's a, a replica of this patient's own kidney and um, what he was explaining to us was that when patients have tumors on their organs um, it's important for um, 
diagnosis to be able to see whether or not is spreading to other tissues or whether it is simply a tumour on the organ. Um, so we were saying the 3D printing provides a really, and scanning provides a really quick and easy way of seeing Ten hours turn around, yeah. So it's a really when you think of the anxiety involved for the patient in terms of waiting for scans and things to come back. The ten hour turnaround is so it's kind of, um, but it's not reverse engineering, isn't it? For a human. Yeah, absolutely. There's another aspect of it as well about patients being able to be more informed about the procedure we're going to undergo. They can actually see what's going to happen yeah. on specific parts of the body. Which again goes back to that idea of empowering the patient, mm -hmm. which is when like, digital health first came out. It was a really key thing, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So that was the yeah. Big aspect of that. Yeah. <coughs> Reese, you have something else as well. Yeah. Well, it's on that uh, note about 3D printing and also virtual reality. I spoke to a company um, earlier today called Medic or Med IP, and they are similar to Stratus. What they can do is they take a 2D image, so a uh, CT scan, MR scan type of thing, yeah. um, and they can either turn it into a virtual reality um, piece of software, so where the surgeon can you know, use two motion controls and actually see in front of them the scan of this patient's tumour or body or you know, whatever they need to look at, to see that in you know, a, a real view about what they'll be working with, or on the other hand, they can print that part out using plastics and 3D printing it just after you see the organ. Um, and again, it's for either educational purposes or research for fun or again, empowering the patient. Um, so it's just a note on, re on really how that angle's sort of yeah. taken off quite a lot. Yeah, there's a lot in that market at the moment that's aimed at the doctors or the surgeons to make their job Yeah, and I know, interestingly, when virtual reality is a few years ago, mainly the video gaming sector, and it's really interesting how it's sort of spread into the healthcare yeah. market is a, a, a tool for healthcare professionals. Yeah. Well, guys, I think that is a great second day at uh, Compromed and Medicine for us. We have one more day left before we fly home, so I'm sure we'll see lots more tomorrow. But we're going to wrap this up here because I think Dusseldorf awaits us. It does indeed. And it's also well, it's awaiting you anyway. It's certainly about time for a beer for me. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would have thought so. Okay. I would have thought so. Um, okay. Thanks for listening. Thank you.